All right, brethren, let's go now to Galatians chapter 1. Thank you, Scott. Galatians chapter 1. My title is an exhortation. It's a, a needed word. Never move from Christ. Never move from Christ. Verse 6, Paul says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you. That you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we've preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you receive, let him be accursed. Now the Lord Jesus Christ is the gospel. He is salvation. He's everything in salvation. Everything that a sinner needs to come into God's presence, the Lord Jesus Christ is. And everything about grace, every grace we need to believe Him, to continue in Him, to, to do what we do in this world, to, to do what we do in His church, to interact with one another, Everything comes from His hand, through His Spirit, through His gospel. Christ is the gospel. He's salvation. And to make anything else necessary for any aspect of salvation is to move from Christ to no gospel at all. We make anything whatsoever to be necessary for anything for salvation. We've moved from Christ. We've removed from Christ to no gospel at all, to nothing, to absolutely nothing. And it's sure to end in damnation. It's to end in being accursed. Now that's serious. But that's what Paul says here. He says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him. Now, it's important to know what the false preachers were preaching at Galatia. We don't have to doubt this. These were false preachers. We know they were false preachers by what they were saying. And they were telling believers at Galatia, folks who had believed the God, who had been born of God, purified by God, made holy by God, made righteous in Christ, complete in Christ, accepted in Christ, believers who were fit to walk into heaven with God and be accepted of holy God. They came to them and said, but except you keep the law, you can't be saved. That word accepts a big word. That's saying it's necessary. Except you keep the law, you cannot be saved. Now, in our day, false preachers require the same thing. They say the same thing. 
Now, most do not require circumcision, but they say, except you keep the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. They're saying the same thing. They say we're saved through faith alone. They say we're saved by Christ alone. They say we're saved by grace alone. They say salvation is of the Lord. But in addition to Christ, in addition to faith, in addition to grace, they say except you keep the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, I've never met anybody in modern-day religion who says you have to keep the law for justification. I've never met anybody who says you have to keep the law to be just with God before his bar, before his judgment seat. But what they are saying is in order for you to be justified before men as being holy and growing in holiness, you have to keep the law. In other words, we'll use the law and your obedience to the law as a measure of just how holy you really are. Look at Galatians 5 and listen to what Paul said. He said, Stand fast, therefore, verse 1, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now listen to this carefully. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you. He's attaching his name to this. It's so important. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, if you have to keep any law, if you have to, if you have to keep any law, you can put any requirement of religion right there in that word for circumcised if, if you do that Christ shall profit you nothing for I testify again to every man that is circumcised now watch he's a debtor to do the whole law if men tell you you have to keep one law you got to keep the whole law if you can't be saved unless you keep one law, maybe it's a Sabbath day, or as they say today, it's the Lord's day. And if you don't keep the Lord's day, you can't be saved. Now, I'm all for us gathering to hear the gospel preached any time the gospel is preached. But every day is the Lord's day. God's people worship the Lord every day. We seek Him every day. But now, if you're told you've got to keep a day or any other commandment, you got to tithe, whatever it is, or you can't be saved, you can't be righteous, or you can't be holy, or you won't get a reward in heaven, or, or whatever it is, reason they're given for it. If you got to keep just one, you got to keep them all. You got to keep them all. Those that are called and, and, and blessed by God. And he says there in verse 4, look, Christ is becoming no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by law, you're fallen from grace. Be it justified before God or whether you're using the law to try to justify yourself before men. In any case, whether it's for justification or sanctification, if it's a necessity, you keep the law, you can't be saved. Christ is of no effect. 
none. Now watch this. We through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Those truly called believe on Christ and we wait for that day when Christ returns and makes us perfectly righteous in Him. We wait by faith. We walk by faith. Faith is the rule we are under. We walk looking to Christ, believing on Christ. We do good works constrained not by law, but by the love of Christ. He says there, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision avails anything, whether you were a Jew under the law or whether you were Gentile in uncircumcision who never was under the law. Neither one of those benefits you or hurts you. What matters? Faith which worketh by love. He tells them, you did run well. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven, just a little bit of works. You just put one work into it that you have to do or you can't be saved and you've turned the whole thing into works. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now let's go back and let's get our text here and let's read this and see what Paul says here in these two or three verses. He says, first of all, that Christ who called us calls us to himself. And if we turn to ourselves, to our works, to anything that we have to do to be saved, we've turned from Christ. We've left Christ that called us. Look here in verse 6. I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you. He's saying any of these things that you go to other than Christ is removing from Christ who called you. It's removing from Christ who called you. Now let me make this clear. Nobody called by Christ is ever going to fall away. Nobody called by Christ will ever be lost. They'll never fall away because he will not allow his child to turn from him to a lie. He won't do it. He just won't do it. He never loses one that he's called irresistibly to him. Never. But those who profess faith in Christ without a work of grace in the heart, and there's a lot of people that profess Christ that's never been born of the Spirit of God. They've never been called by Christ. And those who turn to man's merit and trust man's merit, what man does to be saved, to be justified, to be holy, to whatever it is, whatever the thing is that you must do. They were never called effectually. And what they're doing is a person who turns from him turns from Christ himself. Turns from Christ himself. Now that's what was, they were being turned from Christ himself by these Judaizers who were saying, you need to do something. It sounds it sounds good when you hear it. Don't you, why do you want to trample underfoot the law of God? Oh, nobody wants to do that. A believer doesn't want to do that. But a believer also doesn't want to put it in a man's hand and call that keeping the law. Because that's not keeping the law. That's as much trampling under the foot the law of God as the other is. Christ alone has to establish the law. 
Now, each person in the Godhead calls us. He said, if you turn to your works and you turn to your merit and you turn to your worth and you turn to your law-keeping, you've turned from him, they called you. Now, who called us? Well, each person in the Godhead is attributed, gets, gets glory in the gospel for calling us. God the Father calls us to Christ. Christ said, no man can come to me except the Father would just sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It's written in the scriptures, they shall be all taught of God. God will teach all his people. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and that learned of the Father comes to me, Christ said. When God calls, he calls his elect to Christ. They come to Christ. They come to Christ. God the Holy Spirit calls his elect to Christ. He said, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. And Christ said, I am the truth. He said, He shall glorify me. And my point I'm making is the Father calls to Christ. The Holy Spirit calls to Christ. And Christ calls to Christ. The Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, is the head of his church. How real is your head connected to your body? Well, that's how real Christ is connected to his body. He really is. And how real does your head control what the rest of your body does? That's how real our head controls the rest of his body. He's working in every member. He calls us to himself. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I wish somebody that's under Will Works religion, somebody that's under the preachers that tell them, you've got to keep those, this Sabbath day, or you've got to eat this and not eat that, or you can't do this thing or the other thing. I wish somebody could hear this and hear Christ speak effectually and say, come to me, I'll give you rest from that. You won't rest from that. Anybody won't rest from your sin, rest from your from your trouble, rest, from bondage. Christ says, come to me, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Learn from me and learn about me. I'll give you rest. I'm meek and lowly in heart. Did you know the sinners, real sinners, in the day that Christ walked this earth, really Bona fide sinners who, who it was known they were sinners, immoral sinners, people nobody else would have anything to do with. They couldn't come to religious men. Why? They were scared of being judged. But they could come to Christ. <laughs> he was meek and lowly. So meek and lowly that the foulest sinner wasn't afraid to come to him and say, and be honest and say, I'm a sinner. Well, he, can, he says, come to him. And he calls you to him. Whatever you need, right now, go to Christ. He'll give it to you. He calls us to himself. He is the gospel. He is the gospel. The gospel's not a doctrine. The gospel's not a system. It's not a, it's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. This whole book is telling us, come to Christ. He said, I am the way. There's no way to God but by him. He said, I'm the truth. He's the gospel. He said, I'm the life. Lord willing, that's what we're going to look at Sunday. Christ the life. 
He said, no man comes to the Father but by me. He said, I'm the door. What do you do with the door? You open a door and go through that door. And he said, that's how you're going to get to God. I'm the door. You know what he said the law was? A partition. <laughs> Keeping you from God. He said, I'm the door that will take you right through it, right to God. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I'm God and there's none else. He's our righteousness, the believer. He's our righteousness and he's our strength. Surely shall one say, in the Lord have our righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come. And all that are incensed against him, well, who's that? That's those who are saying, well, it's okay to believe on him, but there's something else, there's something you got to do. They're incensed against him. Paul says later in Galatians, they won't preach him lest they suffer persecution for preaching the cross of Christ. They're incensed against him, and he said, they're going to be ashamed. But in the Lord shall all the seed of Israel, all God's elect, shall be justified, and they'll glory in him. Now, if we turn to ourselves, so he calls us to him. Paul said there in verse 15, When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, he called me, and he called me to Christ. Now, when he's called you to him, if we turn to ourselves, to some worth in us, to some merit in us, to some work done by us, to something we've done or not done that makes us better than the next person or makes us more accepted with God or, or makes us more holy or we start comparing ourselves with ourselves and thinking ourselves better than another, Legalism is entering the heart when that happens. We're becoming a lawyer. We're becoming a legalist when that happens. And when that happens, he's telling us we're moving from Christ. We're moving from Christ. In verse 6, he says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you. We just read over there in Galatians 5, 7. He said, this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. Did Christ call us to him and tell us he has fulfilled the whole law of God on our behalf? God the Father sent him in love for his people and he laid down his life for his people and put away the sins of his people. As he said there in uh, Galatians 1.4, he gave himself for our sins that he might be the one to deliver us from this present evil world because that's the will of God our Father. Now would he come and tell you that and tell you I'm going to deliver you, I'm carrying you all the way to glory, I'm the way, the truth, the life, the door, no man comes to God but by me and then tell you now go to Mount Sinai, I mean Mount Sinai and put yourself back under the law and do a little bit more so you can be more holy, and then I'll receive you. No. Paul said that persuasion didn't come from him. He didn't tell you that. Christ doesn't tell his people that. Judaizer preachers say that. Except you be 
circumcised and keep the law of Moses, you can't be saved. And they think they've accomplished some great feat when they get sinners to want to get under the law and get real moral and start acting holier than other people and start looking down their nose on other people and, and acting like they're very good. They think they've accomplished something. Do you know that that's what Christ dealt with the whole time he walked this earth, trying to get sinners to turn from that garbage? They rejected the prince of life, the Lord of glory, righteousness himself, for the law, for something they could do to be saved. And he dealt with that everywhere he went. Paul dealt with it in every epistle he wrote. If you read Romans and you study through Romans, you'll find out that's the sin Paul's talking about. That we are now ashamed of when he calls us to Christ. It's the sin. It's, it, everybody knows you'd be ashamed of your immorality and your ungodliness and the things you did. When, but nobody considers all our righteousnesses we thought we had done and how we thought we had we had done something to make God receive us. That's what believers start becoming ashamed of. It's not a great thing to make a man want to do something to be justified or sanctified. It's a great thing, though, when you get him to stop doing and trust Christ to do it all. That's a great thing. That's what Christ calls you to do. But only God can call you, and only God can make us rest in Christ and trust that He alone has established the law, that He alone is our righteousness before the law of God, and that when Christ is formed in you, you're purified, you're holy, and He's the holiness within you. Only God can convince you of that. That you don't have to add to Christ. You don't have to add anything to Him. He's everything. Now let's go to this second point here. To, to require a work of our hands to add anything to Christ is to remove from the grace of Christ. It's to remove from the grace of Christ. Verse 6, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you. And what did he call you into? Into the grace of Christ. But he said when you go back to the law, when you go to your, yourself for something, you've left the grace of Christ, and gone to another gospel, which is not another. Now, there's no doubt we're called by the grace of Christ. Salvation's all of grace from beginning to end. But right here, when he says you're called into the grace of Christ, you're called out of the bondage of the law. You're called, called out of the bondage of the flesh. You're called out of that bondage of the prince of the power of the air, and you're called into the grace of Christ. And that's to be called into the enjoyment of the fullness of grace that's in Christ. To enjoy it. <laughs> to be called into joy. The enjoyment of the fullness of the grace of Christ. When we were called into the grace of Christ, His, His work appeared so perfect. Do you remember this? When you, you that been in the faith a little while, when you first saw Christ as everything, you saw him as all, you saw he is the perfect completion of the law, he is your perfect acceptance with God, he's your completion with God, there's nothing left for you to add. If you died right now, God would receive you. Just like that thief on the cross. He's the great, I'm so glad God called him, I'm glad Christ called him, aren't you? 
He had everything you need to enter into glory. He had righteousness. He had wisdom. He had that holiness without which no man will see the Lord. He was redeemed from the curse and, and condemnation of the law. He had everything you need to enter into glory with his hands and his feet nailed to a cross. That means he did not do one thing. He had it all. He was in the fullness of the, in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, called into that life. And when he does that, he makes you so ashamed of all those duties you had to do and all those commandments you were trying to keep and all the, the extra commandments of men and churches that they had you under and the bondage they put you under. He makes you ashamed of all that because you see how perfect his work is and you think, why didn't I believe him all along? And you know, that's what God said he'd do. Go to Ezekiel 16. I'm going to show you this. God said that's exactly what he'd do when he calls his child. <clears throat> The, the sin and the, and the shame of, of Israel, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it was their false religion. It was their trying to come to God by the works of the law, by all the things they added to it. And look here, verse 62, Ezekiel 16, 62, I'll establish my covenant with thee. He's talking about his everlasting covenant of grace. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, that thou mayest remember and be confounded, and never open thy mouth anymore because of your shame when I'm pacified toward you for all that you've done, saith the Lord God. That's exactly what he's saying. He's saying, when I've called you to me, you're going to be so happy with me and see me as being so completely your all, you're never going to open your mouth and talk about your righteousness again. David Brainerd said on that, He, David Brainerd, some of y'all know, but for those that don't, was he preached to the Delaware Indians right over here on the Delaware River. And he said, I wonder that I should ever think of any other way of salvation. This is what he said when, when the Lord did this for him and made him ashamed of all his works. He said, I wondered that I should ever think of any other way of salvation. If I could have been saved by my own duties, my whole soul would now have refused it. I wondered that all the world did not see and comply with this way of salvation by the righteousness of Christ. Didn't you feel that way when he called you? you? You think, if now I could go back and I could take everything I ever did in religion, I wouldn't want to depend on any of it. That's what Paul meant in Romans 6 where he said, you were the servant of sin. Now you're ashamed of that that you were in before. You're ashamed of it. Then we begin to live unto God by Christ living in us. We begin to live unto God. Before we weren't living unto God, we were living to the works of our hands, to preachers and to people. We wanted everybody to see us. We're trying to justify ourselves before men. And there wasn't no fun. There wasn't no joy in that. That was bondage. Now you live unto God, depending upon Christ for everything. All the blessings of grace are in Christ's hand to give to his people. Paul said in Ephesians 4, 7, he's arisen. 
And he says, and unto every one of us, talking to believers, unto every one of us is grace given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. It's all in his hands to give to each believer in the measure he'll give it. According, he knows what you need. Don't you, don't you? When you have a child, you know how much to feed them. You know when to stop feeding them. You know what, they, what clothes they need to put on. You know when to turn them this way or turn them that way. You can see when they're fixing to fall. You know when to get them and catch them. You know when to let them fall. You, you know how to teach your children, don't you? It's all in Christ's hand. He's the head of his church. As real as if he was standing here instead of me. And telling you these things and teaching you. He's doing it that real in the midst of his church. And religion doesn't believe that at all. They prove it by trying to yoke and bind and bite and devour. We're filled with fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. It begins with him giving us life and faith and repentance. That's the gift of Christ. He purchased the right to give it to you. He gives it to his child. And he never stops giving you faith and repentance. It's not a one-time thing. It's ongoing all the days of our life after he calls us. And through faith, we're comforted by the free justification Christ has accomplished for us. He gives you pardon. He gives you the pardon and the peace of atonement when he purges your conscience and makes you know that you complete him. And then he gives you wisdom to walk by faith in Christ, to know that he's everything, to follow him. He he called his people and he said, follow me, follow me, follow me. And he gives you the wisdom to do it and he gives you the strength to do it. And it's all given through the continual preaching of the faithfulness of Christ. Go to Galatians 3. That's exactly what Paul is saying. He said, Foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? You, you, The gospel was preached so abundantly to you, you saw Christ set forth, crucified among you. Now watch. He said, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Was I preaching law to you and telling you what you had to do? Or were you hearing Christ's faithfulness preached when the Spirit came and gave you life? Are you foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He that ministers to you the Spirit. He's talking about Christ. He called you into this grace. He's giving you this grace. It's the grace of Christ. He ministered to you the Spirit, and he works miracles among you. Did he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Hearing his faithfulness. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. I love Paul continually using Abraham 430 years before the law was given. Here's a man who walked by faith and didn't have those Ten Commandments. And he did everything he was supposed to do. You say, well, he messed up a lot. Nope, he did everything he was supposed to do. (laughs) And not a thing that man did that God didn't will for him to do, and God worked it in him. The sin was his. But you read Hebrews 11. He did everything he's supposed to do. He walked by faith. But if I'm able to turn from Christ and turn from the grace and turn back to the false gospel of works, did Christ work that? Men want to say, this is real sanctification. You've got to have some evidence. 
God don't give but one evidence. It's faith in Christ. If you can trust Christ and keep your eye on Christ and follow Christ and walk by Christ, faith is the evidence. Stop looking for other evidences. The man who starts looking for other evidences and going to other evidences just manifested he's not walking by faith. All he evidenced was he's, he wasn't called to Christ. Prove that to me, all right? Verse Galatians 2.16. Knowing that a man's not justified by the works of the law, but by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, even we've believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, did Christ minister that? Is he the minister of sin? Did he make us do that? God forbid. Now, what sin is he talking about? If I build again that which I profess was taken down in Christ, what's he talking about? He's talking about that middle wall of the law. He's talking about what Peter did when he got up and went from the Gentile table to the Jews' table, and he built the law back up and said, the law is how I'm going to be made to, be, to differ. That's what Paul's calling sin. He said, if I do that, did Christ make me do that? Was Christ the minister of that? Did he tell me that this thing of progressive sanctification is true? No, he didn't. I've made myself a transgressor. That's of me. That's of my flesh. I, here, here's, the, here's being in the grace of Christ right here. Here it is. I, through the law, am dead to the law. I'm going to tell you all something. Here, this is all my hope right here. The sinner you see in me, the sinner you see that I am, God don't see him. He's dead. He died to, over 2,000 years ago at Calvary, and he was buried, and he's gone. It's that real. And I live now unto God. I am crucified with Christ. I was on that cross. If you're his, you were on that cross. You were crucified with Christ. Watch, nevertheless I live, yet not I, Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, by His faithfulness, the same faithfulness by which He loved me and gave Himself for me. Now He lives in me. And I don't frustrate the grace of God. How, oh, that'd be an awful thing. Nobody wants to frustrate God's grace. How do you do that? Except you keep the law. Except you add your morality. Except you, except you, except you. That's frustrating the grace of God. And here's what that is. It's saying, Paul said, if righteousness come by the law, it's saying Christ is dead in vain. To turn a man back to himself, back to the law, back to his work, to require him to do anything other than what Christ has done is to say Christ died in vain. He didn't get it done. You talk about blasphemy. That's why we don't put a man under law. That's why we don't put that bondage on a man. That's saying Christ died in vain. Who wants to say that? The grace of Christ gives perfect righteousness by his obedience. Paul said in Romans 5.15, the grace of God and the gift by grace is by one man, Jesus Christ. 
And he's faithfully, actively, powerfully working in us, supplying all our need. All our need. If we turn from grace, turn from Christ, we've turned to works. Law and grace can't mix. Paul said, I've turned from that grace he called me into. I've turned from him and I've turned from grace. Law and grace can't mix. He says in Galatians 3.12, the law is not of faith. Law's not, nothing's wrong with the law. We're talking about when your motive becomes you having to do something to please God rather than Christ doing it all. That's law, and that's not faith. It's not faith. If by grace it's no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. And if it's works, it's no more grace, otherwise work is no more work. They can't mix. Work says... The man that does those things of the law shall live by them. That's what work said. You've got to do it all. But grace says this. We believe unto righteousness. You want to try to come under bondage and keep the whole law yourself? Or believe on Christ and be the righteousness of God in him. Uh, i got a few more things, but I'm going to end it. I want to turn in with 1 Corinthians 1.4. I want to show you this, and we'll, we'll be done. This, is, this right here shows you the full supply of his grace right here. Now, you think about it. There's nothing left out here, not anything. Verse 4, Paul said, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. That means everything you need in this life, everything you need as a believer, Christ has given it. Now, here it is. He covers it all. In everything, you're enriched by him. What do you need? You're enriched by him in everything, in all utterance and in all knowledge, just like the gospel was confirmed in you just like it was in the first hours by Christ giving it to you so it is in every hour and you don't come behind in any gift you come behind in no gift you're waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus watch now here's the end he'll confirm you to the end he's going to provide what you need all the way to the end and then when the end comes he's going to make you to be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus. That's everything you need. That's everything from the beginning to the end. Everything. Nothing else left. Nothing left out. And if you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what it took to give you that. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you might be rich. I'm going to give him the glory and say he's going to enrich me and everything because he gave his life and became more poor than anybody on this planet ever to give me those riches. He gets to give them, and he alone gets to give them. Here's my point. Turn from Christ. Just deviate from Christ and think there's something you have to provide. You've left Christ altogether. 
go to go to works in any regard, you left grace altogether. It's all in Christ, and everything we need in this life is given us by Christ. You need to be brought down, he'll bring you down. You need to be lifted up, he'll lift you up. You need wisdom, he'll be your wisdom. You need strength, he'll give you the strength. You need whatever. How did you get it the first hour? The same one to give it to you in every hour. It's Christ, Christ, Christ. Never leave Christ. Paul said, when you do, you've not gone to another gospel. It's not, a, it's not, we're not all preaching the same gospel. We just differ a little bit. No, 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 no. If Christ is not all, then he's nothing to you. It's all Christ. And Paul said, and if a man's preaching anything but Christ, let him be accursed. And that's how it's going to end. It's going to end in the damnation of God. Never move from Christ. Never, ever move from Christ. I pray God will bless it.